Amen. Uh, we don't have to face anything by ourselves. Uh, a lot of times we think we're by ourselves, and we allow ourselves to get frightened because of that. We, we're not by ourselves. You glad you saved this morning? Wonderful. Aren't you glad God loves you? Amen. Why don't you look at your neighbor and tell them that God loves them? Look at your other neighbor and say God loves you. All right, now look at them and say, I love you. What's so funny? <laughs> Why is it so funny? Hey, I'm, I'm thankful God loves me. Amen? He loves me. And I'm thankful uh, what he does in our heart to love others. And we should. Uh, we should love the Lord thy God with all our strength, our mind, our soul. And we should love our neighbors as ourselves, uh, And that includes not just the people that we, uh, our family, that's including people that we don't even know. That's what we're called to. We're in Matthew chapter 9. I'm going to tell you something this morning. I'm preaching my heart today. Okay? God's been stirring my heart about some things. I'm going to preach my heart today. And if you'll help me, this message will not be long. If you fight against me, I'm going to preach it long. I'm not going to ask you to stand as we often do because I want to really uh, kind of skip through Matthew chapter 9 and I'm going to comment. I don't want you to stand for that long a time. We'll get down to the end. Matthew chapter 9, the Lord Jesus Christ is doing a number of things. Start with me in verse number 1. He, being Jesus, entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. And that, that would be Capernaum. It's not Nazareth, it's Capernaum, which is there on the coast of Galilee. And behold, in verse 2, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the Sick of the palsy, son, be of good cheer, thy sons, thy sins be forgiven thee. Behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, this man blasphemeth. Well, you know about this guy. That was the guy where they tore the hole in the roof. This man blasphemeth, there was some who said. You understand, let's just make something very clear. Not everyone is accepting of the gospel. Do we understand that? Listen, let's, let's, let's really simplify things. People hate God. They hate Christ. They always have. And you see, you see in the news, the majority of the world hates the Jews, hates the nation of Israel. It's not just terrorist organizations that want them uh, exterminated. Many people want them exterminated. We see that just... Pay attention to what's going on there. But even here, I'm not talking about Palestinians or Iranians or any Arab. I'm talking about Jews hated Jesus Christ. They couldn't stand him. He came unto his own, the Bible says, and the own, uh, his own received him not. They denied Jesus Christ. Well, in verse 4, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore, 
think ye evil in your hearts? For whether is it easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go into thine house. And he arose and departed to his house. Well, then we see others in verse 8. The multitude saw it, they marveled. And glorified God which had given such power unto men. Well, I'm thankful that my Savior, I'm thankful that he came and he put on this robe of flesh, but he's more than just a man. Yeah, he's the son of man, but he's also the son of God. And that's our Savior. People marvel that he had such power. Jesus had made a difference in that man's life. And you get to verse 9, and as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew. Matthew is that publican. He is that hated tax collector. Jesus saw him, and while many could not stand him, and there would be many people who stood in opposition of him, Jesus saw value in Matthew. And he was sitting at the receipt of custom, and Jesus saith unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And there in verse 9 is the beginning of the gentleman who would write this gospel as he was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Well, in verse 10, it came to pass as Jesus sat at meat in the house. Behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? Aren't you thankful this morning that Jesus loves publicans and sinners? Because that's all of us. Now, there are some who think they're above that. There are some who think they've got God in their pocket. And they get to questioning him. Why is your master eating with publicans and sinners? Well, I'm thankful that my master wants to have fellowship with a person like me. People might have snarled up their nose and they saw Matthew. And you could name any other thing, any other person in in this world. It could be someone who is... A homosexual, it could be someone who is transgender, it could be someone who is Islamic or some other faith. And you, and you look at them and you think, man, I don't want anything to do with them. I'm thankful that God does. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loves an entire world. I'm thankful that God loves America. But he loves more than just Americans. God is interested in the entire human race. And he sees a guy like Matthew and many people wouldn't like him. And and he's sitting around with other publicans and sinners. And some people don't like that. But Jesus' response in verse 12, when he heard that, he said unto them, They that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. He says, Go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Well, he continues on. There are some disciples of John who come and, and they have some questions for Jesus. And You get to verse 18 and Jairus shows up, one of the chief rulers of the synagogue. He, he shows up, his daughter, his 12-year-old daughter, his only daughter was at the point of death and he comes to Jesus. I don't know if he ever cared about Jesus before that, but when you get, when you get to the point where there's no other hope other than Jesus, you'll go seek him out. Say amen. 
Y'all stay with me here. Americans especially are prone to look everywhere they possibly can, what they can buy, what they can do to fill the void in their life that is screaming for a Savior in Jesus Christ. Can't be filled until then. I don't know how Jairus felt about Jesus, but when he became desperate, he ran to Jesus. And he asked Jesus for mercy, asked Jesus for help for his only daughter. And Jesus arose and he began to follow him. And his disciples went with him. And along that way he met a woman who had an issue of blood. For 12 years she was sick and her doctors tried everything that they could. She spent all of her living trying to live longer. Trying to find help and some source of relief. She come to Jesus, verse 21, she said within herself, if I may but touch his garment, I, I shall be whole. And, Jesus, and she did that. She, she touched the hem of his garment despite the crowd. I'm going to tell you something. When you realize there's no other hope, you'll do everything you can to go running to Jesus. And we believe the lies that are often told us. We offer many excuses of why we can't get to Jesus, why we shouldn't go to Jesus, why we should fill our life with all these other things. And I'm going to tell you something. Every one of us need to get to a place where we are desperate and we realize there's no other place to go to. If I could just touch his garment, I believe Jesus could help me. And Jesus turned around. And he saw this woman. And he said in verse 22, Daughter, be of good comfort, I uh, thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. By the time Jesus got to Jairus' house, the young lady, the young girl, the 12-year-old girl had already passed. And there are many, they were, they were upset, they were in mourning, they were in grief. And Jesus came and he said unto them in verse 24, Give place, for the maid is not dead, but sleepeth, and they laughed him to scorn. I'm going to tell you something. You can laugh at Jesus. You can laugh at the gospel. You can call it foolishness, but it is a foolishness of preaching that saves. He put all of them out. And he goes in there with a few of his disciples. He goes in there with his, her mother and her father and... Verse 25, when the people were put forth, he went in and took her by the hand. The maid arose, and the fame thereof went abroad into all that land. When Jesus left there, you know what he did? He ran into two more people that had a need. They were blind. Oh, they were desperate. They began to cry out to Jesus. They began to pray, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. When he's coming to the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this, in verse 27? And they said unto him, Yea, Lord, we believe you're able. Have mercy on us. In verse 29, he touched their eyes, and according, he said, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were open, and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know it. But they, when they were departed, spread abroad his fame in all that country. Why do we stay so silent? 
We've been forgiven. We've been redeemed. We have been justified. We've been set apart. We have become God's people. We have been saved from our sins. We have been given a place in heaven that is reserved, undefiled, incorruptible for us. Two blind men received their sight and Jesus says, don't tell nobody. And they can't help it. They got to tell everybody. I can see. I can see. I can see. And we're like, I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. Verse 32, he gets to a, the Bible describes as a dumb man. It means he's speechless. He can't speak. And as they went out, beholding, they brought to him a dumb man possessed with a devil. He's an evil spirit, demonic spirit. He's possessed. He can't speak. When the devil was cast out, it says in verse 33, the dumb spake. My goodness. When we let Jesus in, he takes care of our language. He takes care of what we say. Out of the abundance of heart, the Bible says, the mouth speaketh. That's what Jesus said. Suddenly you got something to say. You got something to talk about. Devil's had our tongue. This guy, he physically he couldn't speak, but some of us don't need to speak. Because our heart is wicked. It's filled with wicked things, and wicked things come out. When you meet Jesus Christ, it changes all of that. Suddenly the dumb could speak. The speechless can now speak. And the multitudes marveled, saying it was never so seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, he casteth out devils through the prince of the devils. Somebody's always going to get stirred up. Always going to get stirred up. Verse 35 is where we want to get to. And Jesus continued. And he went about all the cities and the villages. I love verse 35. I'm not a city guy, but I'm a village guy. I like to go to the city. I love to go to New York City. It's a lot of, I enjoy it. I see some things I wish I wouldn't see. But we'll get into that. We'll get into that. But I'm a country boy. I've always lived 30 minutes from anything. That's who I am. I like the villages. I'm thankful Jesus didn't just go to the city. He went to the village. The point is this morning he went to both. He had a desire to reach people. Are you with me? Jesus' desire was to reach people. And so he went. And every day, every time he went here, there comes people with problems. So he ministered to them. And he healed them and he left. Boy, they left there shouting. Whoa, praise God. Watch him. Look at them shouting. And he goes over here. There's more broken people. So he helps them. And people are watching that. They're seeing it. And they're just marveling. 
There's something about this Jesus. I don't, I don't know who he is. We've never seen a man that has such power. We marvel at what he's able to do. But they don't even realize this. Jesus came more than just to heal their sickness, more than just heal their sight, more than just give them a new uh, uh, speech, uh, be able to talk. He did more than that. He came, Justin, he came for one purpose, and that was to seek and to save that which was lost. And so when he went to the cities and villages, he wasn't going there on a tourist trip. He was going there looking for people. He sought to reach people. He began to, he began to teach them, it says in verse 35, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He had a message to deliver. He had a word that people needed to hear. And so everywhere he went, his desire was to share that word. Give people that word because there's hope in that word. There's hope in that message. There's salvation in that message. Are we like Jesus? He seeks to touch them. It says at the end of that verse that he healed every sickness and every disease among the people. We have a touchable Savior. He sees the need. He wanted to touch him. You remember, you remember the, uh, I think it's Matthew 4. Remember the guy with the leprosy? Come to Jesus. He says, Lord, if thou wilt, I believe thou canst heal me. And Jesus touched him. And he says, I will be thou clean. His disciples over there gasping, what are you doing? Jesus just touched him. I won't just heal you. I want to be a part of you. That's our Savior. He, he exemplified that before those who are fallen. He exemplifies that to all of us. That is who he is. That is what he desires for us to be. Follow me, he says. Isn't that what he says? Follow me. He calls us out and he says, follow me. And all of us are called to follow Jesus Christ. We watch what he does. He exemplifies that before us. I'm here, I'm in the cities, I'm in the villages, I'm around people. Can I ask you a question this morning? What do you feel when you see people? I tell you, I tell you flat out, when I see people, I get nervous. I was in a crowd of people this week, and my wife asked me something. She says, she asked me why I didn't do a particular thing. And I started to give her excuse, and I just turned around and said, because I'm nervous. I, I said, I'm, I just got to get my nerve, I just got to get my heart right. I'm just nervous at the moment. I'm in a big crowd, I don't know people, I'm just a little bit nervous. So I get myself right, and I go forward. Are you with me? Some people see a crowd, man, they're excited, they're happy. I'm not going to say Jesus was either one. Jesus just looked at the crowd and he saw the need. 
that's, that's all that mattered to me. Where is there a need, preacher? Just look. Go a little ways. Go to the Dollar General. You'll see one. Go that way. You'll see one. There's people with needs everywhere. I remember Christy and I were talking, why, why should we come to Somerville Baptist Church? Why should we come to a church in North Alabama where there's a church on every corner? Why should we do that? People are saved. Everybody's saved. Well, I can tell you, everybody's not saved. Everybody's not saved. There's still people to reach. People talk about the size of Somerville Baptist Church. Well, you got a big church. We ain't big enough. There's still more sinners that need to be saved. Amen? Still more people to reach. He saw something in the multitudes. And you see it in verse 36. When he saw the multitudes, the Bible says he was moved with compassion on them. Well, he saw them with his eyes and it moved his heart. When he looked at the people, he didn't look at their... Listen, he wasn't... He didn't see them. Oh, they're another problem. They're, they're another problem. Oh, look at their sin. It's grotesque. It's horrible. That's not how Jesus saw them. Jesus saw them and he had compassion on them. But by the grace of God, there go I. Have you ever said that? That would be me if I didn't get saved. If the Lord didn't change my life, that would be me. I would be in that situation. Well, Jesus Christ, I'm thankful, wouldn't have been in that situation. But he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And he saw in James Truffa, he saw somebody valuable enough to die on the cross for him. Johnny, God loves you, man. He sure does. I knew I'd get a reaction out of you. He sure does. God loves you. He's, he loves you. Amen. You want to preach? You're kidding, Johnny. He had compassion. Where is our compassion? Why are we not running out to everybody? I'm saved! I'm saved! Jesus saves! Why is that? Can, I'm, I'm going I'm to say something here. I can't believe I'm about to say this. But the Lord allowed me to notice this, so I'm going to say it. A few weeks ago, I noticed this. I put on Facebook about somebody getting saved, and people are excited. Man, th those like buttons went up in a hurry. And we were well over 100 quickly. People are excited about that. I keep wanting to brag on the Lord. I keep telling people, I'm going to make people sick. I'm going to keep telling people about Jesus and what God is doing. Amen? I want people to know people are getting saved, right? And I've noticed this, every time I've done that, the numbers go down. The numbers have gone down. And I don't know, what, what, is that person not is it worth to get excited over? Is that what it is? 
is that person not as exciting as this person? Why, why? I know that this is, I know that that's a silly thing. I know that. But to me, it just kind of tells where we are. The good news of Jesus Christ should always be the most exciting thing we ever hear. And when people ought to get when people get saved, girls, let me tell you something. It ought to, it ought to impact you. Right? And I'm thankful for this. It don't have to be me that's doing it. I love it when my church folks call me and say, Pastor, so-and-so got saved. I want God to use us all. Amen. Let me, let, me, let me get done here. Jesus saw the multitudes. Some of us, we're going to run from the multitudes. Jesus didn't. He saw the multitudes. And in that multitude, there's going to be some people that want him, and there's going to be a lot of people that don't want him. He did not, he did not allow that to deter him. He still went to them. He had compassion on them. He saw, them as a, he saw that they fainted, and he saw them as a shepherd. They were weak, and he saw them as, as sheep with no shepherd. So what does, he, what does he do? Look in, uh, he, he turns to the disciples and he has a message for them. He says in verse 37, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are what? Few. He, he, he gives this, he sees this, and he turns to them. And he says, listen, we're in these cities, we're in these villages, and all we see, we see that there is a great need. There is sowing, there is reaping, there is a harvest full of people that need to be reached. But the laborers are few. I think, I think that that is an interesting statement for this reason. And that's why I went through Matthew chapter 9. The Lord Jesus don't need any of us. He took care, he took care of the sick of the palsy, he took care of the blind, he took care of the dumb, he took care of Matthew, the tax collector, he... He uh, took care of Jairus' daughter. He took care of the woman with the issue of blood. I, I mean, I'm like, Jesus, everywhere you go, you're taking care of them. And he's saying, but there's a huge harvest out there. And he looks, he looks at the disciples and he says this, but the laborers are few. I don't know, there's 8 billion people in the world today. Somebody's got to go. Amen, preacher. Somebody has to go. The laborers are few. Somebody's got to do it. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be flat out honest with you. I've been in conviction this week. I'm not doing it good enough. I'm not doing it good enough. I'm under great conviction about that. Somebody's got to go. So he turns in the next verse. And he says this. He says, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. The Lord of the harvest, that's Jesus. So he, he says, I want you to pray about this. I told you, I told you, I'm going to try to get you to the altar today. He says, pray about this. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth laborers into his harvest. Now, There's the, three, there's the three main ways, Jorge. You give us a fourth way. I'm going to leave that to tonight. All right? But here's a way. Why don't we just get up and go? 
Come on. Why don't we just get up and go? Go share a testimony. Go, go tell somebody about Jesus. Stop making excuses. I don't know how to tell somebody about Jesus. Well, start memorizing some scripture. Start memorizing some scripture and learn. You got to make an attempt, all right? Don't blame somebody. Nobody taught me. Then learn. We'll sit down together. Come with me. Say, preacher, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. You want to go this week? I got this open. I'll go with you. Let's go. That's what I'm offering. Let's go do it together. Have a design in your heart to learn. How do you share your testimony? When I first started out, listen, I will tell you this. When I first started out, I wanted to tell people. I wanted to see people saved. And I didn't know. I didn't feel like I knew what I was supposed to do. So God kept opening the doors for me to share my testimony. And God used that. Now, now I'm 49 years old. Nobody wants to hear my testimony. And the truth is, God's, God's given me a message now. I don't have to just share my testimony. I've got a message to tell. So we start there. Just go. Two, give. Give. Give to help people go. That's what this month is about. It's about us as a church body. We're going to be a part of sending people to go do where and reach people where we can't go. Amen. Amen. Three, you can pray. Pray for one. God, pray for people to go. God, pray. Pray for people to give. The harvest is plentiful. Souls everywhere. Everywhere you look, there's souls that need to be saved. Lord, how can I be a part of that? Now. Now, listen to this. I feel led, so I'm going to do it. I want to encourage you young men to consider God using you, using your life. That your main focus is to get the gospel out to the world. I'm going to encourage you to do it because everybody else in the world ain't encouraged you to do it. I'm going to encourage you to do it. Lord, use me. Because I want to give you this. And I am done. I'm done right here. You get into chapter 10. I just want to show you something in chapter 10. All right? Watch this. Verse number 1, what does it say? And when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and heal all manner of sickness and manner of disease. And he names them right there. Do you all see that? And then verse 5. Look at verse 5. These 12, Jesus did what? He sent forth. He sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not in the way of the Gentiles and the city of the Samaritans, and you not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach. Preach. He had a message. Let's wrap it up here. Let's wrap it up here. He just told those 12, pray for there to be laborers. And then the next chapter, he, call, he sends them out to be the laborers. Amen.
I don't know how we can pray if we're not willing to open up our heart to the Lord. I don't know how we can pray, God, would you send somebody to my brother when you got the answer in your own heart? I'm just pastoring you this morning. I'm under heavy conviction. I want you to as well. I want to encourage you this morning as a church, come to the altar. Pray, recognize it. Lord, there's, there's people all around me that need Jesus. There's people all around me that need Jesus. And God, give me a voice. Give me a voice to shout to the world, come see a man that told me all I ever knew. Knew everything there was about me. Come see a man named Jesus. And you might be as that blind man as people come and they say, man, he is nothing. You might, you might not be able to come back with a Bible and show him everything that he is, but you can say as that blind man, whether he's a sinner or no, I know not. But whereas I was blind, now I see. I know what Jesus done for me. And then get in there. And learn and grow. And seek it and ask for it. God, give me wisdom. Give me a heart to win souls to Christ. Give me, a, give me the finances that I can send people to go tell people about Christ. Whatever it is, let's be a part of it. Everybody be a part of it. Can I get an amen? I want to stir us up. This is what it's about. It's not about watching the news and getting afraid. There's no reason to be afraid. There's not one thing happening in the world right now that we should be afraid of. God is still on his throne. And I'm going to tell you something. The world is going to be in a mess when Jesus calls his church out of here. Even so come Lord Jesus. But all it does is stir my heart. I got to get busier. That's what it tells me. I'm not sitting here waiting, staring up the heavens like they did on the mountain in Acts chapter 1. And have to have two messengers come to me and say, why is Stan you gazing? Why, why are you looking up there? He's going to come just, back like he's, just like he left. But you go back, you go as he said. You go to Jerusalem and you receive power of the Holy Spirit and be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea and all of Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. That's the job. That's the job. The job is not looking up to heaven and saying, is it, Lord, if you want to come today, so be it. But until, you, until that trumpet sounds, let me find one more sinner that's willing to repent. Amen. Piano, come. Father, Lord, that's my heart.